today on the Tearsheet Podcast. We really haven't changed anything fundamentally in a really long time in banking. Um, you know, if you, if you talk to a bank CEO today, they'll essentially tell you that they would like to grow deposits. Most of them will tell you they want to make more money on their money. Uh, and those two things are, you know, so, somewhat diametrically opposed from the outside, it looks like. But in the reality, a big part of the problem is that banks have been paying every single customer the same rate, no matter what. And there are no incentives to truly align those two things to make sure the bank is paying the customer doing the best thing, which is helping them grow deposits the most money so they'll stay. And that's exactly what our product is aligned to do. If, if you're saving more of what comes in, we're paying you more interest. End of story. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. There's a sea of sameness out there in digital offerings. Challenger banks seem to provide more or less the same services and products. Their debit cards attached to a personal finance manager. H.M. Bradley launched last week with an investment from PayPal and Affirm founder Max Levchin. It bills itself as a bank for people serious about savings, and it has an incentive mechanism that pays the highest interest rates to those doing the best job saving. Co-founder and CEO Zach Brunke joins us on the podcast to talk about why he's dreamt of launching a bank and where he plans to take his new challenger in the future. Zach Brunke is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Uh, I'm Zach Brunke. I'm the co-founder and CEO or you know, janitor, whatever you really want to call me, of H.M. Bradley. Um, you know, I, uh, we are building a, a bank for savers. Um, and you know, what, what we're really focused on is building a product uh, that incentivizes our customers uh, and ourselves together in a way that no one's ever really done before in banking. So there are a couple of things I want to unpack. I want to come back to the janitor comment. Um, and I also want to come back to your personal background. But can we talk about sort of what it means to build a bank for savers? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, for me, um, you know, and this is personal, actually, in, in an ironic way. Um, I grew up uh, pretty lower middle class in Louisiana. Uh, and I have two parents with high school educations. Uh, my mom actually has a GED. Um, but I also have two parents who are incredibly good savers. Um, and you know, what, what I learned, um, sort of the, like, I, I guess easy way for me, luckily, um, was when I started working, um, I was about 14 and my mom, uh, used to take half my paychecks away. And honestly, I thought my mom was some kind of mean lady. Uh, you know, here she was taking my money away. Um, <laughs> and then, um, something happened. Uh, I turned 18 and she took the other half of those paychecks that she had been taking away from me and she gave them to me. And she said, this is why you save money. Wow. Um, you can do whatever you want with this. Um, and for me, that was a powerful life lesson. Um, I also was able to recognize that it wasn't a life lesson that a lot of people got to learn. Uh, and so when we started building this, we started building what I think ING really started on back in 2000, this idea of teaching Americans to save. Um, and, you know, that's really kind of what our, our major focus is, is can we teach a handful of people the same thing that my parents were able to teach me? Interesting. And so um, that, that's a very interesting, I guess, sort of personal story that, that led you here. Um, so technically, how does that work? You, you just launched H.M. Bradley. You had an announcement what, last week. Um, what is it, I guess, that, that help, will help Americans learn how to save? Yeah, well, I think um, ultimately, you know, in banking, we, uh, we, we kind of laugh because there's this model and it's, it's actually a fundamentally very sound model. Uh, essentially, uh, the way the banking works for, for those who aren't terribly familiar is that <clears throat> you, uh, you put in deposits at the bank um, and the bank typically pays you some amount of money for holding those deposits for you. Um, sometimes it's very small, sometimes it's slightly larger. 
Um, and the, the fundamental underlying model for the bank is that they'll actually take that same money and lend it to someone else. And so the way I like to explain it in a very simple manner is, uh, you know, you give me $10 and I promise you 11. And then I give someone else $10 and they promise me 12. And what the bank does is keep what's in the middle. Mm. Um, and that model fundamentally really works. It, it makes a lot of sense. Um, but what, what's kind of stopped working is the way that um, we're, we're doing it. And I think a big part of the reason is that we really haven't changed anything fundamentally in a really long time in banking. Um, you know, if you, if you talk to a bank CEO today, they'll essentially tell you that they would like to grow deposits. And if you talk, most of them will tell you they want to make more money on their money. Uh, and those two things are, you know, so, somewhat diametrically opposed from the outside, it looks like. But in the reality, a big part of the problem is that banks have been paying every single customer the same rate, no matter what. And there are no incentives to truly align those two things to make sure the bank is paying the customer doing the best thing, which is helping them grow deposits the most money so they'll stay. And that's exactly what our product is aligned to do. If, if you're saving more of what comes in, we're paying you more interest. End of story. And do you think, um, I mean, you, you launch into a market that, that we cover um, that is, you know, there's, there's a lot of products on the market, new ones coming up every day, either by, you know, banks themselves or, um, you know, personal finance managers maybe moving into banking products. Do you feel that that savings component is a, is, is a differentiator for you guys? I do. I think it's, it's actually absolutely core to our, you know, our ability to grow. Um, and mostly because, you know, we built this product for something that we wanted. You know, this is something that we, as a team, most of us do and most of us care about. And we've kind of been able to, to grow the team in that way because the people that are coming in are just as passionate as we are about this. Um, and so a lot of our customers probably banked with ING, you know, back in the early days. Um, they probably remember those, those higher rates and like the, you know, kind of different service, the, the combined checking and savings account even, you know, we didn't, we didn't invent that. Um, Electric Orange did it several years ago now. Um, and, you know, we're, we're kind of taking those same concepts and then we're, we're, we're turning a few things on their head. Um, and I think the way that we do credit is going to be chief among those. Um, but ultimately, it's, it's just starting with that core of, hey, if you're a saver, there's not a better bank for you. Mm. So, so can, we, can we talk about how you're going to do credit? Is that, is that the next thing that you guys will launch? Yeah. So we already have credit card bins, actually. Um, and we will start rolling some cards out this month, believe it or not. Wow. Um, <laughs> So we, uh, we did this in parallel on purpose. Uh, I think one of the reasons was that fundamentally, uh, we felt like you couldn't really go into banking without being able to lend. Um, ultimately, it's what your customers expect. Um, you know, and I think the other side of this equation um, and what we're doing differently from some of the kind of challenger bank market is you know, most of the challenger banking market is built off almost the exact same model. Um, you know, you put in money and, uh, whenever you swipe your debit card, they make money. Um, and the problem with that is a lot of our customers and certainly ourselves, uh, don't really swipe debit cards. Uh, you know, we've got Chase FI reserves or MXs, uh, and you know, we're using those and getting rewards points. Um, and so our debit card pretty much sits in our wallet idle unless we want cash of an ATM. Um, and so that's an interesting conundrum for the challenger banks because they've been forced to go completely down market mm -hmm. and build products more focused on the underbanked. Um, and what's happened is it spurred a lot of innovation and some really beautiful products um, really focused on underbanked customers. But unfortunately what's happened for, you know, kind of the mass market is that there are a lot of people who would love to bank with something different, something that 
maybe looked or felt like Chime or you know N26, but the reality is the model just doesn't work for them because they're not swiping their debit card. They don't need to get paid two days early. Those aren't the incentives that they really care about. And so, you know, what they really care about was, could you lend me a, you know, money to buy a car? Could you, you know, sell, buy, sell, let, me, let me buy a house? Um, you know, those are the things that, that our customers are kind of thinking about in the long term that they just absolutely cannot get today from the current, like, kind of, you know, incumbent challenger market. And so who exactly is your, your target customer? Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the audience is certainly broader than we originally thought based on, uh, based on the numbers post-launch so far. Um, you know, we're really targeting an audience of W-2 employees, um, people that are, are consciously trying to save. Um, you know, we, there's a survey from Facebook back in 2016 called Millennials Money. Um, and it said a lot. Uh, but one of the things that I was, I was most kind of struck by was that one in six millennials have $100,000 in cash savings. Um, and more recently and, and earlier in, uh, 2020, that number was actually one in four. Uh, and so it's, it's a pretty wild world because they saw their parents lose money in the financial markets. They don't quite understand it. And so they're not investing as deeply in it. Um, but they're certainly still making money. And a lot of them are just holding on to cash, not sure what to do with it. And ultimately what they really want is, you know, some way to get, you know, either more advice or just a safer product for themselves. And so I think we're starting off with a safer product uh, and we're starting off with a, you know, an easy way to, to incentivize savings. Um, but we're certainly moving towards that second more advice phase in the long term. So I want to pivot and talk about more uh, your personal journey. Uh, why'd you start a bank and why now? <laughs> oh, because I'm crazy. Uh, yeah, well, that's, for, that's, that's certain. But uh, take us back into sort of, of your career trajectory and, and how you ended up here. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, my, my career um, has been certainly, you know, um, uh, an interesting one. Uh, as you can imagine, um, you know, I, I grew up in Louisiana, as I mentioned. Um, my mom worked at the cash vault at a bank my entire life, fittingly. Um, so she literally uh, was the person who ordered money, like physical money for branches uh, to move them from one to another. Uh, and uh, my dad actually sold fence um, and still does actually to this day. Um, and so we, we were kind of your typical, you know, middle-class American family. Uh, when I was younger, we like didn't have that much and we kind of struggled to get by. And as I got older, we had, you know, progressed and my parents had saved more and done better. Um, and I think ultimately, um, I became an entrepreneur, um, certainly because not, it was a natural next step. Um, it, it sort of made no sense given my background because my dad wanted to be one so badly. Um, you know, my dad would literally drive us by buildings uh, and he would point at them and he would say, oh, I'm going to start this company and it's going to do this. And uh, he did everything. Uh, he, he'd even named the company uh, KBZ Enterprises after my sister, my brother and myself. Hmm. Um, what he never did was actually start it. <laughs> and I think that drove me from a really young age to, to kind of realize that if I wanted to do something, I just had to do it. Uh, and so, um, crazily, when I was 18, uh, two days after I turned 18, I incorporated my first LLC and I started my first company. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was kind of a wild ride. Um, I actually built an e-discovery company, um, and that means we scanned paper uh, for mostly attorneys, um, and ultimately um, was able to build that company into, into something 
you know, the, beyond my dreams at the time for sure. Uh, and was, was fortunate enough to sell it uh, when I was still pretty young. <laughs> and, uh, and honestly, that, that moment is probably why I'm building a bank today. Um, when, when that happened, uh, I think what happened for me is probably what happens for anyone that comes into some sort of windfall. Um, the next time I went to my bank, uh, suddenly they weren't handing me a sucker and telling me to have a nice day. They were ushering me into a back room and telling me about all the products and services they had for me. <laughs> and I think that just really bothered me. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe it should have felt so. Well, you know, I, I, I think, you know, possibly the, the average consumer would react well to that and think, oh, this is cool. Like my bank cares about me. But I think what I wondered immediately was, you know, why did it matter how many zeros were in my account when I didn't get smarter today? I just got richer. Um, you know, I was, I, I was doing all the right things. I, I, had, I was already saving money incredibly well. I already had great habits. Um, I was already very stable and, you know, ultimately I was the exact kind of customer that was probably going to get rich. Like most people do slowly over a long period of time by doing the right things and building the right habits. And I think that's when I realized that your bank just doesn't work for you. Um, you know, it, it works in a world where, you know, a professional athlete is eight times more likely to go bankrupt than the average consumer. Um, but they're way more likely to be courted by their bank because of how much money they have today. Um, and so when, when we set out to build this, and by the way, that was years ago, uh, I've sat on this for a very long time. It's something I, I've thought about day and night for years. Um, I actually, I, I built a, a plaid competitor, um, for my last company. And, um, you know, I'll just say that didn't work out nearly as well as plaid considering I'm sitting here right now. Uh, <laughs> you were just early, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, we were building about the same time, funnily enough. Um, they, they went sort of a partnership model. Um, and I went a different route, uh, made a few mistakes along the way. We had a lot more coverage, actually. We had 850 banks. Um, but you know, I ended up selling the company too early, essentially is what it came down to. And, uh, I think in doing that, uh, I spent the last, you know, five, six years sort of thinking about this and like what, what I'd missed out on there, what could have been, but more importantly, like what I really wanted to do. Um, and I, I, I tell the story now and it's kind of funny. Uh, when I, when I first met my now fiance's parents, um, her dad said, well, you know, you seem like a smart guy. You're, you know, in finance, you're also in technology. At the time I was the CTO of an investment bank. Um, so when I sold my last company, I became the CTO of a little boutique investment bank out of New York. Um, and so, yeah, it's, you know, every child's dream and, and I would no hesitation. I looked at him and I said, I build a bank and he just said, why? Hmm. And, uh, I think the reality is you know, it's just, it's been in the back of my mind for that long because what I really wanted was to build something that worked for, you know, the consumer who was uh, like my parents or, you know, like what, you know, what most people are, which is they just over a long period of time, they save money, they do the right things, and they become the exact kind of customer every bank dreams of. Uh, and banks completely ignore them until there are enough zeros in their account. Well, as we move from your, your background back to H&M Bradley, um, it, it sounds like, you, like you, you built this bank, obviously, to, to, to service you and, and your family and your story. But what about the people who want to be good savers but haven't learned those, those good habits yet? Oh, Are, yeah. Is H&M Bradley, uh, you know, the place they should turn? I mean, we, we absolutely think so. So, I mean, we, we obviously have four savings tiers. Um, in this current market, those savings tiers, most of them are higher than what you're getting most elsewhere. Um, you know, but the way that it works is it doesn't even start until you're saving at least 5% of what comes in. 
But I'll say that we tiered it the way of what comes in for a very specific reason. We want this to work for anyone. We want this to work for a low-income family that just is trying to figure out how to put away a little bit more, all the way to someone who's you know, making more money than most people dream of um, and just wants to live smarter with it. Um, and so we tiered it by percentage of income because we felt like that was the most fair way to do this. Uh, we, didn't wanna, we didn't wanna make it about your account balance or how many dollars that you saved. And so our intent is that you know, whether you make $100 a month or $100,000 a month, um, this can really be the place for you. And, and I assume obviously you, you don't have a baking license, you know, no, no challenger does in the U S really. Um, how'd you think about choosing a partner bank? Man, this is a crazy story. Um, <laughs> we actually, we went down the road of trying to buy a bank. Um, mm. and so believe it or not, in October of 2018, um, the federal reserve board of governors gave our little company, uh, permission to buy part of a small bank. Uh, <laughs> and, um, we, we really intended to go down that road. Um, you know, we were going to buy a small percentage of it, hopefully help it grow. Um, and, and just keep going from there, uh, because we felt very strongly that you had to be able to leverage the, the deposits to lend. Um, and, you know, I guess, fortunately for us, we were able to, to find our, our current bank partner in hatch. Um, and you know, the CEO, um, and I have become very good friends over the years, uh, you know, just since starting to work together. And um, I had originally made the intro to MasterCard for him. And he kind of came back to me and said, look, I love what your model's doing. Um, I believe in it. Uh, I think we can make a model that works. Um, and I said, unless you mean we can lend off the balance sheet, it's not going to work. And he said, that's exactly what I mean. Hmm. <laughs> and so that was the really the, the unique part of our proposition is, you know, when we grow deposits, we have access to lend part of them off the bank's balance sheet. Uh, which is incredibly unique, uh, certainly unique among challenger banks. Um, but yeah, that road was, was certainly, we, we were certainly thinking a very different path at first because we felt so strongly about, you know, the only reason to be a bank, in my opinion, is cost of capital. Mm -hmm. um, and the best way to keep that down is to, to be able to have the cost of capital be deposits. Interesting. And I guess how, how many, how many partner banks did you, did you kind of, you know, kiss before you decide on hatch? Like how long was that process? Like how important oh, was it to find the right, the right partner? It was very, very important. I think mm -hmm. to us um, specifically, uh, you know, ultimately we, we talked to a lot. I, I don't know how many um, certainly, you know, uh, in, in the double digits. Um, and I feel like we, we know every bank CEO out there at this point. Um, and we certainly know everyone that runs any sort of programs. Um, we, we never had really aligned, um, with anyone other than the, the bank that we agreed to, to buy part of, uh, which is a, a tiny bank in, in South Carolina, um, with just a wonderful ownership and management team. Um, you know, and I, I'm still, you know, close with them. I actually still, you know, help them change their website from time to time. It's a, hmm. it's a bank in Columbia, South Carolina called Optus Bank, uh, and just, just a great group of people. Uh, and then Jared and Derek at Hatch, uh, you know, what, what they were building along with the Green family, um, you know, really resonated with us. Uh, I think we aligned a lot on how we think about this and how we think about banking. Uh, Jared was early at Bank of the Internet um, and was one of the people that, you know, turned down uh, the, the simple deal because he didn't think they could make money um, when they started. And, you know, I guess obviously that ended up being right in, uh, in foresight or in hindsight, um, you know, but. I think, you know, after that, he, he went on to Celtic uh, and ultimately was always wanting to go and do this, kind of build this, this platform bank. And um, when he got the chance to do it, 
we felt like he was a great partner for us. Great. And, and one of the things you mentioned, Zach, in, in, the, when, in your introduction about yourself, that you're you know, the janitor as well. Um, what's it like um, you know, being in a CEO role? Yeah, uh, I mean, I won't say it's fun. Uh, <laughs> it is fun some days. Uh, you know, I think part of it for me is that I have, for better or worse, spent most of my career as the technical guy. Um, I've always been uh, the person building. Um, and, you know, I, I've really enjoyed that role. Um, but I think along the way, I picked up a lot of, of operating skills that I really wanted to utilize here. And so um, when we started this company, I think that was one of the first things that I told our first investor, um, who's a guy named Max Levchin. Um, Max and I have, have, you know, come friends over the years. Uh, he actually was one of the people trying to buy my last company. And um, although I said no, we, we decided to keep in touch. And so when I went to start this, uh, you know, the one thing I was completely honest about was, look, I've got a chip on my shoulder. I think I can operate and I mm. want to prove it. Um, and so, you know, for me, this one was, that, that was the idea going in was that I was going to, to try to run this as the CEO. Um, and it's been really interesting. Um, I, I absolutely love, you know, kind of dealing with our employees. And I was prepared in a way that, you know, probably uniquely more than most people, because for the last five and a half years, I was, like I said, the CTO of an investment bank, but uniquely I was the only West coast executive. So I built a whole office here in Santa Monica and, and ran it effectively, you know, like I was the CEO of that, that, that office. And so we had, you know, about 30 employees in that office when I left. Um, and, you know, I'd kind of built that from nothing. And I think that taught me a lot about, you know, what, how to manage people, how to deal with people even better. Um, and a lot of it I've kind of learned over the years, some of it by accident, some of it certainly the hard way. Um, but I think, you know, this go around uh, has been fun because, you know, I really don't get to blame anyone else for, for the things that I want people to try. Uh, you know, and so I've really pulled out all the stops uh, as far as making excuses. You know, I tell people all the time at the office, uh, they can take credit for all the good things. They cannot take credit for any of the bad things because it's bad, it's probably on me. Hmm. Uh, and I think I've really enjoyed that aspect of it, just knowing that at the end of the day, I have to own whatever happens here. Um, and for me, I think that's a really fun experience. That radical ownership is is definitely refreshing. We don't don't hear that a lot in in management ranks. We have time for one last question, Zach. Um, I think what I'd like to hear is sort of what's your view? You you mentioned launching a credit product. Like what what's what's in the pipeline for the for the rest of twenty twenty? Yeah, um, I think for for twenty twenty and really for the you know the immediate go forward, I think what you'll you'll see us do at Agent Bradley is focus on the experience of banking. Uh, you know, I kind of shed a little bit of you know, light to it earlier when I said how we do credit will be different. Um, but I think what we believe is broken truly um, is how customers are experienced in their bank. Um, and, you know, we, we picked on, you know, a thing that seemed very simple to pick on. I always joke that, you know, dealing with your bank today is sort of like going on a date with your spouse and having to be like, so what do you do for a living? Uh, you know, we, <laughs> we sort of just live in this weird world where, um, if we want any sort of new credit product, um, we're expected to become our own analyst, um, go perform all the research, and then come back and sort of bow at the throne and ask our bank, can I please have this? Uh, and so the way that we've decided to do this differently is we've decided the best way to do credit um, would be uh, to basically tell our customers, hey, you can opt in. Um, we'll do a soft pull every month, and then we'll pre-underwrite you for every single product that we offer. Um, and if you're good for it, we'll tell you exactly what you're good for. 
And so when we send you a credit offer, it won't simply be, you know, hey, apply for this credit card. It'll be, hey, here's a credit card. It's an $8,000 line of credit with a 15% APR. If you want it, take it. Uh, and we actually filed a patent on that. It's what we call one-click credit. Uh, with the, the really simple idea being that, um, you know, I think we all sort of now remember that, uh, you know, Netflix killed Blockbuster. What we kind of forget is that they did it by mailing DVDs. And I think that over the next, you know, 12 months, you'll see us kind of push towards that, that mailing DVDs version of banking. We can't change everything overnight. But what we can do is, is start incrementing the customer ex experience to be driven towards something that is, is more focused on the future. It's more focused on what it could be for you. Um, because ultimately, I think, you know, the world that we all want to live in, um, you know, in a world where Facebook can sort of unearth my friend from third grade <laughs> and Amazon tells me what I'm likely to buy next week, somehow I'm still doing all this research to figure out what I'm supposed to ask for for my bank. And so I, I think you'll see us focus a lot on, you know, on those credit products and how we can roll out a, a better experience to a user and make them just know where they stand. Uh, and then I think secondly, just... You'll, you'll see a very future and forward focused uh, version of our bank. I think if you notice, if you log into the dashboard, uh, the first thing that you'll see after you set up a direct deposit is what tier that you're on track for for the next quarter. And the way that savings tiers works is every quarter we set a new tier for you and you're locked in for the next quarter. Um, and so when we do that, you know, the idea is basically that, you know, we're in current constantly incentivizing you to save more money so you can earn more interest for the next quarter. Uh, and so it doesn't really matter what quarter you're in today. It matters what quarter you're going towards. And I think, you know, we kind of take the way that airlines look at their awards programs. And we, we think about it the same way. If you logged into Delta and it was just a list of flights that you'd already taken, it probably wouldn't be all that helpful to you. Um, so instead, it's where are you going? And I think that's exactly where you want to see uh, H&M Bradley focus for the customer is where are you going and how can we help you get there? Uh, and so that'll be the core focus uh, of what we do and we head into. And I think you'll see every product lay that exact idea out. Uh, some of them will be incredibly intuitive. And I think the first time you see them, you'll go, whoa, this is what I always wanted. I just didn't know it. Uh, and some of them might, might take more time. Um, but ultimately, I think um, what we're trying to move towards is, you know, building a world that we want to live in. And I think, you know, it, it starts with, you know, a couple of really simple ideas. Um, that's, that's it. Well, best of luck at your post-launch and, and, and bringing those new products to life. Zach, thanks for joining us on the Chairsheet Podcast today. Yeah, thank you.